May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are one week after Pentecost, and we're thinking about what it means to live in the Spirit. And we've got this passage from Romans chapter 8, and Paul is um, having a hard time wrestling with, um, with what life in the Spirit is like versus his own human nature. So we're going to spend some time looking at that. And uh, I just wonder if, if anyone here um, finds it interesting when words are different and are confusing, perhaps. You know, Paul talks about law and um, all the way through this. Um, and actually, when Paul talks about law, uh, he uses the same word meaning different things. So, so he uses the word law to talk about the Old Testament law. He uses the word law in the sense of natural law, uh, in, in terms of what happens to the body and how we uh, respond in the flesh. Um, and uh, so, so it could be that as you, as you read the word law, uh, you don't necessarily know what he means. And as we look into the Greek, we realize that there's different Greek words, and then we translate them into the English, and it all gets very confusing because we'll translate different words to mean the same thing and the same words to mean different things. Are you with me? As a fairly new Canadian, I've been here for over five years now, but that, that actually is fairly new. Uh, apparently, uh, when I meet people who say, I've been here 30 years. Um, so I'm still pretty new to Canada, and I find myself uh, getting tripped up by words. Um, and it's always interesting when I get to learn a new word. Um, and sometimes these words are so similar and so obvious, and yet, yet, um, it just eludes me. Um, I love it uh, if you know any German, uh, the way German words are constructed. Um, it's got all the little bits and they're put together. So my favorite German word is, is Straßenbahnhauptstelle, which means tram stop, uh, but it means street rail stopping place. Um, and so with that same logic, that's what I try and unpack English words when I don't understand them. The other day, uh, somebody from one of the church committees said, we need to get a weed eater. Um, because we've got someone um, who's working on the grounds. We need to have a weed eater that they can use. And uh, so um, I, I'd never heard of, of a weed eater before, so I started logically breaking down the word. Well, if it's going to eat something, it has to be living. And if it's living, what could a living thing be that would eat weeds um, and uh, that we could actually get? And so, so my mind was going, and of course, in the end, you know where it landed, especially if you heard this in the first service. Uh, I thought, somebody wants us to get a goat, and the goats would eat all the weeds. But, you know, it would run out on Judney Trunk Road, and then we'd be in trouble with the city for letting a goat on the loose. It transpired when I actually decided to do the logical thing and ask somebody, um, whilst I felt I looked quite stupid, uh, what's a weed eater? I have a weed eater at home. It's just that I call it a strimmer. And I've heard of it called a weed whacker, but I had never heard the term weed eater. Sometimes that is what words can do. They can really trip us up and we can get confused. And actually, in that case, I have the thing. I use the thing when I cut the grass at home. I used it yesterday morning uh, around the edges. Um, and, and yet, um, I didn't necessarily understand the exact way it was being used. And so, all that to say, as we approach Romans 8, uh, we have to take some time to understand what is Paul saying. And what he is saying is essentially uh, summarized best, actually, in Romans 7. Uh, Andrew did a great job of reading 
Romans 8, but I thought it would be a bit mean if I said, could you read the, first, the, the last half of Romans 7 as well? So I'm just going to read a little bit of Romans 7 because I think that explains Romans 8. Top tip, if ever you're confused about the Bible, look at the context. Uh, if, you, if you read a bit and you think, I don't quite understand what that's saying, go back a chapter um, and you might find that it then explains a bit more. Um, and I know in the life group, some people have been struggling with these terms of what's the law and, of sin and death and, 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 uh, and what does Paul mean when he talks about the flesh. So jumping back to Romans 7:14, we know the law is spiritual, says Paul, but I'm unspiritual. For I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And I do what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Are you with me? In a sense, what Paul's saying, I'll carry on where it gets a bit simpler. I have the desire, he says uh, in verse 18, to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. And this I keep on doing. If I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer me doing it, but it's the sin living in me that's doing it, that's at work. So he says, I find this law at work. And he uses the term law in the same way you might know of Murphy's Law, which has other names as well. Uh, Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Do you know that one? Um, it's the same as, uh, as law in the sense of Newton's laws. Newton's third law, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I'm going to stop there. But those are examples of laws, meaning kind of scientific principles or natural laws. Uh, they're not laws as in law of the land or God's laws. Um, so he says, I find this law, this principle at work within me, he says. Although I want to do good, evil is right there within me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see this other war, and, it, and it, he kind of describes it like it's fighting against him, um, and he says, I feel like I'm a prisoner of the law of sin and death at work within me. The law of sin and death, the death bit is because if all we're doing is sinning, which is falling short of God, ultimately that will lead to death, whereas if we are, um, if we are not sinning and we are close to God, sin being what separates us from God, if we're not sinning, we're close to God, and therefore um, through Christ we can inherit eternal life. So a um, bit of theology here this morning. I hope I'm not going too fast, but uh, it's quite an exciting passage. Um, and as we look then at Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. The Holy Spirit is living in us. If we're Christians, the Holy Spirit is living in us. In the John's Gospel passage, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow me, you need to be born again of the Spirit. And sometimes we, we put being born again as a big kind of major event. And people may say to you, are you born again? Um, if you're a Christian, if you know and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord um, and you follow him, then yes, you are born again and the Holy Spirit is living in you. And with the Holy Spirit living in you, therefore, you are free from the law of sin and death. So why is it then? That when you get in your car and you start driving and somebody cuts in front of you, why is it that your response, and my response, is not a Holy Spirit-filled response? 
Can you imagine, just think, what would a Holy Spirit-filled response be to somebody cutting in in front of you when you're driving? As you gently slam on your brakes to make sure you don't hit the back of their car, and they pull in in front of you, and you're looking in your rear view mirror to see if the person behind is going to crash into you, and this person's coming in. A Holy Spirit response may be something like, A prayer with your eyes open, Lord, I pray for that person. I give you thanks that they're doing all they can to get to where they're going on time. I pray that they manage to get in front of some more people and they make up their time and they have an amazing day at the office at work. That might be a Holy Spirit response. Um, If you're in church, I would be saying to you, put up your hands uh, if you've ever done that. If you've ever had a Holy Spirit response to somebody cutting in in front of you. Uh, Somebody's putting up their hands um, at the back here. There's a couple of people in the building. Um, but for, for many of us, our initial reaction probably uh, is to, if we're polite and we have people with us, we might tut or, 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 or just we might grumble about it, you know, oh, oh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, or maybe something worse, maybe we might use some words or some hand gestures uh, that we later regret and feel bad about. And that's what Paul's talking about. You know, most of us, although we have the Spirit in us and we long to be those people who are just full of grace and full of the life of the Spirit, we can very easily get sidetracked by our human nature, uh, what Paul calls flesh. The word flesh from the Greek sarks, um, and you get this antithesis all the way through, these contrasts. On the one hand, it's about the pneuma, uh, the breath of God, uh, the Holy Spirit. And on the other hand, it's about uh, the sarks, the flesh, the body doing what it will do. And so Paul's saying to us, choose life in the Spirit. Choose life in the Spirit as opposed to death. The law of the Spirit gives life. We see, don't we, the law of sin and death at work anytime we turn on our news as we hear about gangs and guns and violence and murders and, and these kinds of things. You know, at the, at the, at the one extreme, um, we have the, the people that might slightly wind us up and we, we don't have the best reaction when we're in the car or, or someone cuts in front of us in line at the grocery store. And, and at the, at the um, other extreme, uh, you get these really bad news stories where you can really see uh, evil. And sometimes, um, as Christians, we start, start judging which evil is better and which evil is worse. And, and biblically, um, there, there isn't a huge difference conceptually in, the, in, the, in, in, in all those cases of bad things that people can do, the full spectrum of, of human um, evilness. Uh, it comes from the law of sin and death. It comes from the flesh. It comes from our human nature uh, pushing us away from doing what the Spirit would have us do. Whereas the law of the Spirit gives life. So how can we, um, how can we live under grace with this new law that the Spirit gives? Verse 15 says, The Spirit you have received does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about in you adoption into sonship. Adoption into sonship. 
Uh, as you may know, we use the New International 2011 version at St. George's, which is an inclusive language translation. And so this is just a, a point to note. If you ever read the Bible and it's an inclusive language translation and you see a word like sonship, the translators have put that there specifically because there's something that would be lost if they put it as, you know, translation, if they translated it adoption to become a child. There's talk of children elsewhere in this passage, um, and the, the word for children is techna. Uh, so there's a lot of times where specifically it is, um, Paul is talking about us being children of God. Here he's specifically talking about sonship, because, of course, this is the letter to the Romans. And the Romans know that when you are adopted into sonship, what that meant at the time was you effectively became uh, like the, the, the heir to the family's fortune. So it would be, imagine a, a child was adopted into a Roman family um, and was given the status of being a son, the, the heir to the family's fortune um, that would be passed on. So that's the kind of the reference there, and that's why it's left in a sonship and not just saying we're adopted as children. In the next passage, in the next verse 16, it does talk about uh, we get to cry because we've got that status of, of being the heirs of all that is given to us as God's children. Uh, we get to cry, Abba, Father. Abba here, not the Swedish pop band. Abba, the Aramaic word that Jesus uses uh, to, to speak to God. It kind of means like dada is probably the best translation in the English. If you think of a, a really young child and they're trying to communicate, um, quite often their first word is mum and their second word is dad. Um, or at least that's what the mums like to tell us dads. But anyway, um, Dada, Father, it's, it's, that, it's that calling out uh, that we can do to the Father um, because we've got that status of being um, heirs of the kingdom of heaven. So as we uh, spend time realizing the status that we have, this spirit that is living in us is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that is the same power that is in us by the Holy Spirit. And so we can see why Paul is, is, is really wrestling here. Because he's, he's wrestling, saying, if, if that's the power of the Spirit that is in me, why is it then? Why is it that I'm constantly going the wrong way? Why is it I'm constantly stepping away from God rather than stepping towards God when I have the Spirit of God and the power of God in me? And that's where he comes up with, well, the answer has to be this other force that's at work. So what do we do with that? Well, there's hope. The second half of Romans 8 uh, speaks of hope. I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us the glory that will be revealed in us. Uh, creation, he goes on to say, is subjected to the forces of evil, to the devil. And, and actually, um, there is this hope that we have and this knowledge that, that Christ is coming back. Christ will return. And as, as it feels like creation is groaning, verse 22, as in childbirth, um, Groaning probably puts it more mildly than childbirth, but anyhow, um, as, it, as, it, as creation is groaning um, up to the present time, he says, so the Spirit in us groans as we pray to the Father. Um, as we allow time 
in the Spirit's presence, in God's presence, for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us, uh, then it is, the Spirit is able to pray for us those words we can't pray. Uh, as, as we might pray for situations in the world, um, I, I mentioned earlier in the service the, the discovery of, of bodies in Kamloops uh, this weekend. As we pray for things like that, I don't know about you, I don't know what to say. I blurt out some words in English as best I can. But they're not really adequate. And so, two particular ways I think we pray in the Spirit. Uh, one um, is in silence. Uh, that sometimes we can allow the Spirit to, to pray as we sit in silence. And you could do that coming to church. I've, I've emailed out there's a, a, a time this week when I'll be here and I'll make sure that there's some, uh, some space for people to come if they want to come and sit quietly and pray on their own. Um, or you might like to pray when you're out on your walk in your neighborhood or, or in somewhere else. Or pray in your house. But actually having that time, being silent and still, uh, use the ancient prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit, and just leave the silence there if you can. Um, the other way, and as, and as we do that, so the, the, the Bible says, Paul says here, uh, we, we, we join in in wordless groans. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to sit there and groan. If your stomach's groaning, it probably means either you've got anxiety or you didn't have breakfast yet, um, and you're on a, on a diet of some kind. Um, but the, the, I'm not sure we actually hear the groans, but I think what, what Paul is getting to is that, that we don't necessarily know what the Spirit is saying to the Father, but we trust that the Spirit is continuing on with the prayers um, as we offer them. Second way uh, we can do this is, um, is with the gift of tongues. Um, and uh, you may have... You may have the gift of, of tongues. There's two kinds of tongues. Um, the tongues that, that Roxanne spoke, spoke about last week um, were the, the human tongues. So that's different languages. And what happened was um, the uh, Pentecost, the Spirit came and, and all the people were speaking and everyone could hear in their own language. So that's one kind of gift of tongues. The other gift of tongues is the angelic tongues. And is that um, opportunity to pray um, as, as a prayer language that we tend to use in private. You may hear people um, here at St. George's, a number of people uh, will pray in tongues. And it's not something we do at the front of church. It's something that will happen quietly as people uh, pray. Um, and uh, generally best doing when you're, when you're somewhere uh, on your own. Uh, it's not a thing to make a song and dance about, but it's just a way, uh, a gift that God gives us uh, that enables us to pray uh, Mike Pilavacci, um, who uh, um, speaks about um, him receiving the gift of tongues, I was listening to a talk he was doing the other day, and uh, he, said, um, he, said, he said, I think God just got bored of listening to me uh, waffle on in my prayers in English and doing such a, such a job with that, that he gave me the gift of tongues so he didn't have to listen anymore to the English. Um, and, and, and there is that sense that um, when we don't know what to pray, um, we, can, we, we can, by the Holy Spirit at work in us, find another way to pray. Uh, I'd recommend, though, if uh, just as an aside, um, don't pray with tongues if you're running. Uh, I, one time I was running and, and I was just praying in tongues and, and I got terribly out of breath and I had to stop running because I couldn't do them both together. So that's just my little tip for you. Um, but that might be something you're interested in, um, in, in, in trying. It's a gift that all of us can have. Um, it's not just for special people. Um, it's for 
all of us because we have the Spirit in us. So I'll just, uh, when I pray in, in a minute, I'll, I'll provide an opportunity to um, pray for that gift. The point is we have um, the Holy Spirit interceding for us, the Holy Spirit helping us as we, um, as we go and live our lives. The Holy Spirit praying for us. In the same way, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so just as I come to a close, I'll pray in a moment, uh, we uh, can choose life over death. We choose life over death. It's the contrast Paul has. We choose life in the Spirit over the death that ultimately results from sin. And we are adopted. Adopted not just as children, but as children who are given the status of being the heir to the family fortune. And finally, we have hope. Hope of a future, uh, knowing that we have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living in us. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and fall afresh upon us this day? I pray for anyone right now, especially who uh, would, is feeling um, torn in their own lives. I pray for all who are struggling with any kind of addiction, um, with, with anything that, that they feel like is just taking them away constantly and that is a battle for them, taking them away from uh, staying in step with the Spirit. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit into their lives. Come, Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for anyone particularly who uh, has perhaps struggled with prayer or would just like to receive uh, the gift of being able to pray in an angelic tongue. I pray that you would release uh, that gift in them now. Pray too for those who find it hard to stop and, and, and pray in the stillness and who might find that's the thing they could do this week, that you would help them to, um, to set aside some time in the diary, to stop and pray in, in the peace and quiet that the Spirit brings to you. So Lord, we thank you for, um, for Paul's writing here in, to the Romans. We thank you for all uh, that we can learn from it. We thank you for that reminder that we are children of God, that we get to call you our Father. Amen.